And welcome to the latest edition of the Streaking Alarm podcast. As you can tell, I am not Pierce. This is Caroline. I'm taking over hosting duties today while Pierce finishes up a nice little summer vacation before this everything gets underway here at Streaking Alarm with, you know, checking out all the football coverage coming up and always recapping basketball. But I am joined by a super fantastic, exciting guest. Um, stoked to have him here. You'd actually probably recognize him just if you spoke anything. But we do have the voice of the Cavaliers, Dave Kane. Dave, how are you? Caroline, it's a, a thrill and an honor to be on with the <laughs> omnipresent Caroline Darney here. Your your social media presence is everywhere nowadays. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, people can't escape me. Maybe I'll try, but <laughs> you do. I have to warn you, you have big shoes to follow. We had Ty Jerome on last week. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, so getting some just no pressure. You know, he's a big time performer, but I feel like we, we're in good hands this week. Um, Dave. How what, long what's he got on me anyway? One national championship? Come on. I know. You were there. So, I mean, I think it counts. Yeah, I was there. Right? Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in all the photos. Maybe not all of them. But anyway, <laughs> no, that's great. And, and I hear we, you may got a, you got more big guests coming, too. So, good to be yeah. sandwiched in amongst all the stars. It's, oh, no, we're so happy to have you. And it's, it's cool because we get to get a different perspective. You know, we've watched the games ourselves and seen all the stuff. But now to, to hear it from your perspective, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Dave, how did you get to Virginia? What was your start? What was your path to becoming someone who's so familiar and such a big part of this of the athletic department in the program now? Well, how long we got? It's a long and winding road. It was, uh, you know, it's funny being a broadcaster in a lot of ways is kind of like being, um, you know, working your way up the, the ladder in broad, sports broadcasting is a lot like working your way up the ladder. In some ways, I always kind of say it's akin to Hollywood in some ways because you got to get that break and and you've got to pay your dues you got to be willing to do kind of whatever you have to do to get that chance to be somewhere where you feel like you can be for a long time um I started out as I had a sense that I wanted to go into broadcasting when I went to college but I did beyond that I really didn't know much so Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways I'm thankful I didn't end up somewhere at a place like Syracuse where you really had to know exactly (laughs) what you were doing right when you got there otherwise you get left behind but I went to the University of Kansas, and I thought I wanted to be in broadcasting. They had a terrific sports broadcasting professor there who had turned out a number of, of uh, broadcasters through the years, including uh, you know, Kevin Harlan, who's been a great mentor to me, uh, Gary Bender, the same throughout my career. And uh, Tom Hedrick, though, taught a course there, and we got a chance to call games as, as, you know, once I was in college. I don't think I started calling games until probably my second or third year at KU. Mm-hmm. Um but I got a chance to call games there. And then I went, uh, my first job I took as a play-by-play guy was just calling high school games in Colorado for about a year. Um, and I was doing a morning show. I was doing a little bit of everything, sales, yeah. y- you name it, um, little league, whatever. And then went to Texas for about, uh, five years. I had two jobs there, did Sam Houston state as my first college job. And then Texas Lutheran as well, which is a D3 school in Texas, living in far-flung places. And then uh, I just went to the neighboring state in Vermont, you know, almost the same as Texas. So <laughs> I've heard they share, we, we made, yeah, they share a state line, so it's close. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we made the mistake of uh, moving up there from Texas, my, my wife and I, with both of our mothers. Bad oh. idea. Bad idea. <laughs> no, I, I do not recommend taking both mothers across the country from Texas to Vermont, but we were young and, and stupid. And anyway, uh, we got there in one piece, we all survived. And so I was doing the university of Vermont's men's basketball broadcast along with, uh, with the minor league baseball up there. So then, you know, uh, 11 years ago, going into my 12th season, we got the, got the opportunity to apply for this position and was fortunate enough to uh, kind of make enough of an impression to, to earn the job. And so, 
that was sort of a, a dream come true because like I say, you always want to get to a place where you feel like you can be for a long time. And I knew yeah. when I got this job that, that this was a place that I could be for a really long time. And then and this was a place where I, I wouldn't have to hit that, that crossroads that so many broadcasters do. Can I, how long can I continue to pay my dues? How long can I continue to really yeah. scrape by money wise and, and do this? So um, and, and making matters even cooler, this is one thing I always, I'll never forget was the year before I got here, I was broadcasting for Vermont. It was incidentally the last time Vermont played against UVA, and it was, I think, in year two of JPJ. And so Vermont is coming back this year again. And uh, I'll never forget going into that building saying, this is the best place I have ever called a game. Like, this is it. This is the coolest building. I I remember saying to my analysts, can you imagine if you worked here every day? And then one year (laughs) later, I was. So so pretty lucky. Yeah. And so that would mean you came in a year before Coach Bennett was hired. So you had a year. Am I doing the yeah. math right? So he's going into yeah, his that's exactly right. Okay. Um, yep. I had one year with Dave Lado and two years with Al Groh. Okay. There you go. I started out. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> so coming into that, so you've been here literally for the whole renaissance of Virginia basketball <laughs> and yeah. hopefully the start of one for Virginia football. But when we're looking at this basketball team and you know, you, you come in and you see these teams, you miss out on the NCAA tournament the first couple seasons, but then you get the Joe Harris's and the Akeels and, and those guys. And what has the experience been like calling those games from the start and really seeing from the ground floor this develop and not only that, but like the relationship that Coach Bennett has with the players and how that's developed over the last 10 years? Yeah, it's been amazing, really. I mean, it's like I – in fact, we were at a VAF event this spring, and we were sort of. Carla Williams was talking about, you know, what it's been like. She she was right before I kind of came on and started, yeah. you know, interviewing. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember if Coach Bennett was on that one or with us or whether it was Coach Mendenhall. But anyway, w- she was just sort of talking about her experience, and you know, since she's been here, things have been pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. And I and I said I, I I was not quite so fortunate when I first got here. <laughs> it was it was some bleak days at, at UVA and. You know, it's a good thing that I was so young and just thrilled to be here in the first place because I was just like ecstatic to be here. I mean, but yeah. would it have been more fun to be winning? Yeah, absolutely. But I was just <laughs> psyched to be kind of in the big league, so to speak. But, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, those first few years, football and basketball were struggling in a big way. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they almost called me like a coach killer because I brought in two <laughs> new coaches within two years of being here. So, uh, unfortunately, I was doing baseball back then, too. So that, they kind of started going. So that was my one taste of like, success okay. early on. But but the uh, but football and basketball were really struggling. And but but I will say this. They always said it to me, too. You know, that I, I remember I had uh, uh, one of my my bosses said, you know what? that having the opportunity to be here from the ground floor or something builds is something that's unique and, and you won't get, there's no other way to really replicate it. And he yeah. was really right. I didn't necessarily believe it at the time, but like, yeah, ha- having experienced kind of those lows, I always say the sweets never is sweet unless you tasted the bitter. And I think yeah. Virginia fans can, uh, can <laughs> yeah. attest to that. You yeah. know, I mean, shoot after what went <laughs> transpired the last year with UMBC to, uh, to Texas tech, I don't, I don't think it would have been quite as sweet. Look, it would have been awesome one way or yeah, the other. It would have been awesome. But having, I think you're right. you know, having experienced the UMBC thing, I mean, it was storybook. So yeah. to, to have been there from the start and, and really see these guys and how Tony built the thing. And, and the other thing that's, that's just so cool is the fact that he's the, he is the same guy he was when he got here. Yeah. And, and that is not an easy thing to do for, 
somebody that has every reason to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say cocky or arrogant or whatever, but I mean, he does. Really, he has yeah. every reason yeah. to be pompous. I mean, he's good looking. He's got the <laughs> NBA career, you know, he's got everything. And, you know, sometimes you want to punch him in the face because he's got so much going for him, but then he's too dang nice. So you just yeah. got to roll with it. And no, it's great. But I mean, but he is, he, he's, he's maintained humility through it all. And, and, and I really marvel at that fact and, and consider myself incredibly lucky to have just kind of watched how he's done things. And, and beyond my own career, just personally, I mean, I think it's, you can, we can all learn a lot from him and, and it's been really cool to have a front row seat to it all. And you've obviously been able to interview some, a lot of these guys after games, or almost all of them probably at this point that have come through, but you, now you look at this litany of this, you know, phone book of players that, that he's, you know, Joe Harris, you know, won the three-point shooting competition this year for the NBA, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, three guys next year that are doing that and seeing it's just been really cool to see these players develop and then continue on being successful and just good ambassadors for the program. But has it really sunk in yet? This I've asked everyone, you know, we asked Ty this last week, like what you witnessed, especially like, as you mentioned, coming off of 2018, being there, calling a game that was historic, you know, storybook in the worst way <laughs> to what happened four months ago in Minneapolis has it really sunk in like that whole journey and that Virginia actually did the thing and won the national championship well let me ask you this because I haven't had a chance to hear uh, Ty's piece with you what, what did he say had it sunk said, in for no. him yet no not yet yeah. he said he, him and t- him and Dre still text saying like you know dude can you believe that happened <laughs> like yeah and I was like wow, I know well, so I think relatable. we all do, do that <laughs> yeah you know it, it's it's funny because I've had a uh, a guy a good friend of mine who's been on my broadcast team since day one um Macon Gunter who mm-hmm. uh we all refer to as the squid and he uh <laughs> he, he's been with us with me the whole way he's the only one that's been with me all the way from yeah. day one and and you know he he's a lifelong UVA fan bleeds orange and blue that whole bit so he's been through it all just like so many of Virginia's fans have their whole life and you know, just the other day we were driving around and, and I think I can't remember if I I think I had asked him I said would you rather win a national title in football or men's basketball and he said I can't believe we won one in men's basketball <laughs> you know it's just like it's still marveling at that fact that yeah. it actually happened and, and and yeah I think we all still have those moments where they're like yeah that that actually happened but um you know I mean again I I just think everybody had such a different and unique experience through that run and and for me as a storyteller um I I just cannot imagine being gifted a better story to tell <laughs> than than what we saw i mean it really was it, it's the hollywood script and we've heard it a zillion times how long till this thing's a movie but yeah. it's got all the all the pieces for it so to have an opportunity to describe that and and to describe it about people you care about you know i mean that's one of the things that i think people don't necessarily think about when you know you look at guys in my position is is the voice of a team you're embedded and you get to know these individuals for better or worse and, and, and in my yeah. case better because I, I i really think one of the great parts about the university of virginia is the quality of people you get to work with and, yeah. and sort of the ideal and ethic that goes with it here um i think they do it the right way and, and i think that's really pretty neat to be a part of that but with that said when things are going bad you know you you bleed with them and yeah. and that umbc game you know, you, you bleed with them. That was one of the hardest broadcasts I've ever had to do because you just knew what the ramifications were. Yeah. You knew how good they'd been and how undeserving it was going to be and all of the criticism that they were going to yeah. take and the program was going to take. 
and it hurts. You hurt with them. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was really hard. I've said it's almost like calling the sinking of the Titanic from an iceberg. You're sitting yeah. here like you're describing it as it happens. And, yeah. and then to, to have it sort of take on that same feel one year later, uh, you know, against Gardner Webb, you're sitting here thinking this cannot be happening again. Yeah. A- am I really describing this? But in that sense, I guess I was a little more prepared for it the second go around <laughs> than I was the first go around. But yeah. you know, it's but but it's even the stakes are even worse because you're sitting here thinking it had never happened. Can it possibly happen two years in a row? Lightning oh, does God. not strike twice I in the know. same place. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was surreal the whole thing. Oh man, I'm just thinking back. And that's one of those things too. And that was the biggest deficit of the entire season, which is just mind blowing. Like all the games that they yeah. play, all the great teams and all this stuff. And it just the way that that game went, went throughout that game was just so stressful. But I want to talk specifically, there's so many great finishes for games in the tournament that obviously we could spend six hours talking about all of them. But specifically, let's talk about the Elite Eight for a second. That was probably one of the biggest hurdles. Obviously, getting the national championship is a huge deal, and everyone wants that. But that, that was the thing that people had always said with Tony Bennett, that he hadn't, you know, could never get it done because he didn't make a Final Four, all this stuff. And you could see that emotion when he cut down the net and, and yelled from the top of that ladder in um, Louisville. But the finish of that game, like, take us through – what you're trying to accomplish and how hard it is when you're thinking that, okay, this really can't be happening as a, as someone who's, as you said, storytelling and painting a picture, what is going through your mind at that moment when you're trying to figure out where the ball is going to go? Everything's going so quickly. Like you don't want to mess up a call and say the wrong thing or the wrong person or the right. score. Like how, how does that all happen? And what was that moment like specifically with the end of that elite eight game? Yeah, that was a hard one too. Um, as fun as it was, it was it was a challenge. Um, I think in those spots, you're right. You you don't want to screw it up. You want you want to preserve um, a legacy moment the way it should be. And mm-hmm. but you know what? You can't let yourself get caught up in that. It, yeah. It's almost like as an athlete, you you have to worry about the next play. Describe yeah. the next play. <laughs> just just stay in the moment. Stay. Don't get over your skis. And, and I think that was one of the things that I was reminding myself. And, you know, the other thing I was reminding myself was this is a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> this yeah. game was a heck of a lot of fun. And, and, and you kind of need to remind yourself of that at times, but yeah, it, there, there is some degree of, and look, I don't want to paint the picture as though what I'm doing is, is akin to what these guys are doing and the pressure they face on that court in front of, you know, 16,000 or in the, uh, you know, final four, 72,000 people. Yeah. Uh, or millions watching from home on their televisions. But, yeah, th- there is some level of you, you just need to stay in the moment one play at a time, so to speak. And, <laughs> and 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 I think that's what I was trying to tell myself through the whole process and also to have fun with it because it was just one of those moments that you don't get very often in a career, if ever. And, you know, to, to see, again, back to that notion of how bad you want it for somebody. You mentioned the pressure on Tony Bennett. And some of the criticism, to my way of thinking, that has been incredibly unfair through the mm-hmm. years about this program and about this system, saying it's bad for basketball, all these narratives, it can't win in the tournament, you can't go far. I, you know, they were just ridiculous. And it, and yeah. it does get irritating. And, and, you know, I know these guys say it doesn't matter to them. But the reality <laughs> is the human condition is such that you want your work to be appreciated. For sure. And. This is Tony Bennett's masterpiece, and and to to hear the criticism, I know that they say it doesn't matter, but to to your point, what you said when he was coming down that ladder with that net in his hands, his yeah. reaction 
told me otherwise. Yeah. I, I think it does matter. The monkey was off the back at that yeah. point. You know, it was a validation and a, and a vindication. And, and it was, uh, you know, kind of like that Alexander Ovechkin moment, or for me mm-hmm. as a Bronco fan, that, that John Elway moment when he finally held that trophy above his head, you know, it was like all those, those exercise demons from years gone by, they were all gone. And yeah. um, then, but you didn't realize that there was still heights to climb. And that was one of the amazing parts of it. The story didn't stop there. No, and I just, I remember when that moment happened and, and the yell that he let out, not only were a couple of the other, you know, reporters like, whoa, all right. But even some of the players afterward, like that was the most, you know, emotion we've seen from Coach Bennett. And, and you could just tell in that moment that things were, you know, that was a big, huge moment for not just him, but the program. But when you look at yeah, Tony Bennett's parents told me that was the, the most <laughs> animated they've seen him yeah. after that game. I saw him that night in the lobby. Say we've never seen him that, 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 that animated, you know, I mean, and they, they've, they've known him for quite some time now. <laughs> so that's saying yeah, something. Just a little bit. Yeah. I was a little concerned about the scissors. If we're going to be honest, like the yelling while holding the scissors was just a lot of emoting yeah. with a sharp object. In hand, but uh, turned out fine. When, on a ladder, no less. Don't try this at home, right? <laughs> All this like motion of cheering and yelling and um, holding scissors. But the scene at the team hotel and, and people who listened to last week's podcast know that I talked a little bit about this with Ty, but walking into that hotel after, I think everyone expected that it was going to be a big deal, but I don't think everyone really fully expected how big of a deal. That team hotel in Louisville was just, you know, window to wall full of Virginia fans. <laughs> Obviously, you working with Jimmy on the cat on the call who you know was in the last final four team for Virginia or on the team um did he give you any kind of insight and were you expecting that kind of reaction from the fans like maybe to that level like obviously you know fans would be excited but to see the way that the community really truly rallied and how important it was for them to get back to that you know mountaintop yeah you know I, I think I had a sense. I, I did. I, I, you don't have to look far. I mean, every game you play in that building at John Paul Jones arena, it's, you, you can feel the emotion, you can feel the energy, but then when you get to that pinnacle, we all go through this together. And I, I think that's one of the really neat things about being the voice of a team is that I get to kind of maintain some element of that fandom. I don't have to be just the jaded journalist. And, and I really do love that about my job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that I, so I, I could feel it, I could feel it building and I could feel it among the fans. And, and I can't say as I was overly surprised by the outpouring of support because I just knew how much it meant to this program into this fan base into this community um, I knew it was going to be a big deal if they did and and sure enough it was they didn't disappoint but yeah I, I can't say as I was really caught off guard so much and I did talk to Jimmy about it to some degree actually uh, going in and in fact we talked about it through the years and, and you know I think that was one of the things that was so disappointing for him was last year you know he said yeah. he just wanted them to experience what he, he he'd said I'd love for these guys to be able to experience that that final four and uh, yeah, not only did, again, did they experience it, but they experienced something that no one in the history of the program had ever experienced before. And that is the thrill of being the last team standing at the end of the season. Yeah. And I think that was at, probably after that Philly day game was the most emotion I've seen out of coach Williford too, knowing that his, he never made it to that point as a player and, yep. and what that meant to him to have their team and his players get to that point. But um, let's look a little bit forward 
Um, we could talk about the basketball championship all day, but, um, you know, obviously losing three big pieces plus Jack Salt, everyone knows I'm the biggest Jack Salt fan in the world. Um, but return, you know, Kihei Clark, who I think became a bigger key player than really a lot of fans expected, especially throughout the middle of the season as he took a little bit of criticism. Um, and then Braxton Key, Mamadi Diakite coming back from the draft at the literal last possible second, which I think a few people lost some years off of their lives for that one. Um, <laughs> and then bringing in some important new pieces um, with some of these first years. What do you kind of see from, you know, do you ever count Tony Bennett teams out? No, oh, heck no. <laughs> heck no. No, don't count this team out. They, they could be sneaky good. I, I really do believe that. And, you know, just the degree of athleticism that's there and now some of the experience that you've got, I mean, that's worth its weight in gold. But uh, Mamadi coming back was a big deal. I, mm-hmm. I really fully believe that. I, I think if he had not come back, this team takes on a decidedly different feel. I think not only just from his raw talent and his length and athleticism and his experience, but I just think you know, I've seen it even this summer. I wasn't at all the practices. In fact, I was kind of, uh, I, I joke about it, I'm on a little bit of a sabbatical around July, <laughs> my little <laughs> walkabout, <laughs> but I got out. So I wasn't around for a lot of those July practices, but I did get back for some of them. And, you know, just talking to people, you, they, you can see he, he's really trying to embrace that leadership role. And it's just amazing to think about how far he's come from day one, where yeah. he barely spoke the language. Yeah. He couldn't find the locker room. Um, and, you know, credit to these coaches and, and the support staff, you know, TJ Grams and academics, they have put so much time and energy into Mamadi. Yeah. And it, that was one of the things that was so fulfilling to me was all that time and energy they put into him. Without Mamadi, this team is not a national champion right no. now. They don't get out of the Elite Eight. I mean, they no. probably don't even get out of the second round or third round. without Mamadi played a huge role on that team. And he was I think so he's going to play. Oh, just outstanding. You know, I mean, and he really kind of flicked the switch when it mattered most for his team. And so he's going to graduate onto a different role now as a fifth year player and and they're going to need him to lead and Jay Huff. I mean, there's just put it this way, Caroline, there's a team full of question marks, but it is also a team with a very high ceiling. I just think it's a much higher ceiling than, than you're used to. You've got a number of different guys that are candidates to, to really step up this year. Now I'm not saying that they all will, but you just strengthen numbers. Look, it's just a matter of play the play the odds. I mean, if you've got 10 at-bats, you got a much better chance of hitting one out of the park than if you've only got two. Yeah. So I think this team's just got a lot of different big bats potentially in that lineup that, that could make a difference. Now, obviously, the year after that, I think this team will really be stacked, even though yeah. Mamadi leaves and, you know, I mean, just but the talent alone, I mean, will be outstanding. But um, yeah, I think this team's got a chance to be sneaky good. Uh, are they going to be as good as this year? No. I mean, you're going to have to find ways to score. Uh, yeah. You know, you just lost three incredible scorers for this team, uh, shooters in that backcourt. So, you know, how does Walter Tenze, uh, how, how does he acclimate into this program? How does Jay Huff advance his playing? You know, is he, he just hasn't been asked to do too much to this point. He's going to have to take on more. you got a freshman in Casey Morsell. How, how does he perform? And yep. Justin McCoy, Braxton Key at that next level. All these different players. Can Kihei Clark continue to grow as a player and develop his shot? Uh, all, all these things. So th- there's a lot of room for optimism, but there are a lot more questions certainly than there were a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, yeah, like you said, for the next year, the next next year, whatever you want to call it, you know, yeah. sure, only three guys right now, but the top recruiting class in the country, that'll change once the Dukes and the Kansases and the Kentuckys of the world get the one, two, three best players type thing. But 
you, know, you look at that recruiting class coming in, Sam Hauser joining off of a um, you know, transfer sit here. So it looks like things are trending the right way. Um, it's hard to really complain or ask for anything more coming off of a season. Like I always forget that they only lost three games last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know it, how that gets just, lost in the yeah. next for me, but. It's hard to believe. I mean, and then you go back the year before. I mean, what is it? Yeah. Six years and t- six games in two years. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. And it's not. You know, the, the Hauser kid could shoot. I'm gonna tell you that yeah. too, man. By two years from now, I've seen he is. He could be a special player too. So gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun. Let's switch gears real quick. Talk about some football because for the first time in a very long time, um, there's an equal mix. I think of excitement and expectations around Coach Mendenhall's team in Charlottesville. They were picked to win the Coastal by the media. Um, this is a huge step, seeing as they were picked to finish last last year. Um, obviously, outperformed that prediction from the media. But what is it? How do you think this type team will deal with that type of expectations? And, and what do you like about what Virginia is bringing to the field this year? Well, I not only picked last last year, picked last five straight years in the yeah. Coastal. I mean, like yeah. that's. That's this is uncharted territory in the recent history for Virginia football. I, yeah. I know they they've been some pretty darn good teams in the uh, in the George Welsh years and in the early years with with Al Grow, but it's been a long time since we've been able to to have this level of kind of hope, so to speak, around yeah. Virginia football. So is is Jay Willie's apt to say, "Great day to be a who?" It really is. I mean, between basketball and now football, great day to be the voice of the Who's too. And these are my two <laughs> sports, so. Yeah. It's a lot of fun when you've got some of these these uh, seemingly uh, positive stories to tell. Now, again, you said it. Virginia's got to live up to it. But but yeah. the reality is, you know, as much as its predictions and the media predictions, they don't mean much. The reality is, they do mean something for a program that has been mired in darkness for the mm-hmm. last ten years. I mean, yeah. they they have not been relevant, and and the fact that they are merely relevant is a huge step forward for this program and and I think for the fans you know and I think there's good reason for this fan base to feel upbeat about things I I you know I, I've seen a lot of similarities uh, we talked about the genesis of Virginia basketball's rise and how they did it uh, while Bronco and Tony are two very different individuals there mm-hmm. are some stark similarities between yeah. the two and in the way they go about it which fits this institution you better be a fit with whatever institution you're working for and I think both of those guys are because they go about it unconventional ways. And I think that this is an unconventional university in terms of its academic standards and everything that goes with it. But so much of it is the the bedrock is buy-in. Yeah. And if you have buy-in that, that is one of the things that both of these coaches have put at a premium when they're looking for the guys that they want to bring in, whether it's coaches or whether it's, uh, players and student athletes. And so I, I think that that buy-in is there for football. It's hard though, much like basketball playing for Tony Bennett's not easy. You no. playing defense, practicing in that defense is not easy, Yeah. but you, you almost have to like it, like it. And, you know, it's, I was even talking today uh, with Ryan Nelson on the offensive line. Yeah. And I was talking about the hard component of it all. And he said, you know, <laughs> how did he put it? You you have to embrace the suck yeah. <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah. And it was like, you know, and it's like you, you've got to like it. You've got to want it, and, and you've got to enjoy growing from it. And, and more than any of the stars, more than any, all the talent evaluations, and, and a lot of, don't get me wrong, talent helps, but before talent, you better have buy-in, and, and you better have that, that, that 
that uh, whole notion of character too. And, and I think that that's the bedrock for both of the programs, but uh, long story short, I think Virginia's in year four now under Bronco Mendenhall. And, and I think he's the right guy to guide this ship when it comes to expectations. He's going to keep these guys grounded. I, I can assure you that much. And, you know, I, I think he's level. I think he's level-headed. I think he's the same guy when they lose versus when they win. And, yeah. and Tony Bennett's the same drill. And, and that stuff rubs off on players. And so when you're picked to finish high or when you're picked to finish low, you can stay even keel. It's going to go a long way. And, and I think they've got the right guy leading them. Yeah, and I think it's similar. I don't know if Coach Mendenhall said something exactly the same, but the idea that you have to find players that you can lose with before you can win with them type thing, or yep. players that you're comfortable losing with before you can really achieve the winning. Um, do you worry at all about any, obviously Bryce Perkins is a guy that everyone's super excited about his second year with Virginia. Um, do you worry at all about any sort of like sophomore slump? I know it's only his second, like he's going to be a senior, but now that people are a little bit more familiar with Bryce, what does he need to do this year to remain dynamic and still be that offensive threat that he was last year? Stay healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think good. that's the biggest thing I worry about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that the good thing is, and while I say that, I mean, the, the good thing is I feel a heck of a lot more comfortable in Virginia's quarterback depth this year than I did a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really worried if, if Bryce went down last year, I did not, I don't think there was a plan B. I really don't. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, as, as much as Brennan Armstrong was able to come on and play well when he did, we didn't know that. And, yeah. and we still don't know what Brennan's about, but He's shown enough for me to feel like if he goes in there and gets asked to go in there and has to go in there, he can do some things. He can keep this thing moving along. So I, I think that's a tremendous luxury. But for Bryce Perkins, I, I, I don't I would be shocked if he has some sort of a slump this year. Now, is he going to yeah. make mistakes? Yeah, he's going to make some mistakes, I'm sure. But I just the, the way he's wired, uh, in addition to all of the physical attributes he has and the things that he can do and the wow factor with the speed and I, I just think he's got a work ethic and a leadership component that I think really is going to serve him well in his, in his final season. And you know what? This is a business year for him. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's a student athlete, but he has aspirations beyond college football and he wants to play at the next level. And, and he knows that he's going to have to develop that part of his game and be able to make those throws when the defense forces him to, because yeah. there are defenses that are going to be able to contain him. So um, you know, the question to me, how, how does that offensive line evolve? That that to right. me still remains the lingering question about this football team. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think there's more depth than there's been in the past, which is important. Um, but I think until Virginia can really start to push teams around and win that battle in the trenches on both sides of the ball, they're not really going to be able to make truly that next – big step I think they're close to being in that position on that defensive line I really do I think yeah. that's going to go from a, a liability a year ago to a strength this year because yeah. uh, in addition to the guys that come back from injuries you've got two terrific freshmen and and I think Briggs is every bit the guy they hoped he would be and maybe then some because <laughs> he's been outstanding in camp and, and I think he's going to be a guy that's starting from day one and that's then awesome. Ben Smiley's another guy who I think is going to be a, a contributor here in year one but we'll see you know it all has to play out we're still early in camp and all those things but I think there's a lot of room for optimism there that's all awesome. and you know it, you bring back somebody like Bryce Hall that easily you know could have gone first round in the NFL draft last year comes back to Charlottesville is in my mind, inarguably the best cornerback in the country, let alone the ACC, um, you know, to anchor that defense, lose a little bit in the linebacker core, 
but you know, have guys like Snowden and Zane Zandier um, coming back. It's exciting. Like you said, it's, it's an exciting time. How do you, what would you classify like a, a successful Virginia football season? What does that look like to you? Mm, that, that's a, that's a tough one to answer right now yeah. because <laughs> you know, what constitutes success right now? There's still, you know, the two big boxes you want to check. And I'm not saying that you would have to do both of these things to have a successful season, but if you found a way to beat Virginia Tech, that's that's the leader in the in the, in the clubhouse right now yeah. in terms of the biggest obstacle to overcome for this group. Um, I think that's more important than winning the ACC Coastal Division. Um, I really do. But yeah. if you if you manage to do one of those things, it'd be huge. If you manage to do both of them, that's that's your gold standard right there. Yeah. And, and I think that both of those things are attainable this year. I really do. But, you know, shoot, we saw how attainable they were last year. I mean, yeah. th- this team was a play or two away from accomplishing both of those things one year ago. So I think there's going to be fire there. Uh, but, you know, football's such a funny game. Uh, <laughs> you just don't know. And I mean, how many times have we talked about Miami as being the team to beat only to see them founder. Um, yeah. I, I think that you, you just don't know. I think that season opener is just a monster opener for Virginia. Yeah. I don't think it seals their fate if they win or lose. Yeah. But, boy, does it put you in a good position if you find a way. And, and, and I think Virginia should have the advantage, even though they're on the road. I, I, this is a pit team that's replacing four offensive linemen and 2,000-yard rushers. Uh, a new offensive coordinator. I, I just feel like for Virginia, you've got a lot more stability going in than Pitt does. But one yep. thing Pitt has is the proverbial chip on the shoulder, having won the the the, the division a year ago and <laughs> yeah. now being picked as sort of an afterthought this year. They're going to yeah, come out seeing red. <laughs> yeah, no one ever seems to really like count Pitt as like the front runner for right any of it. Um, so just to close out. Um, we like to do a fun, um, like rapid fire type thing. So just like kind of the first thing that you think of, um, nothing too crazy. It's all, you know, just like five questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Fire away. All right. Favorite food place in Charlottesville. <laughs> oh, rapid fire. <laughs> Ooh, this is tough. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Tavola. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Um, sport you would call like ideally if there's another Virginia sport that you could call that you haven't done yet sport that i have not done yet if that's like can i say the one that i have called that i just started calling that i really think is fun that i had never done before here which is lacrosse yeah one of yours yeah that's a good answer i had never i had never done lacrosse until two years ago i didn't get a chance to do it last year because the season went so long (laughs) that was the one trade-off i had but but i really had fun with it the year before and i'm hoping to do more of it this year so that yeah i it's not exactly the answer that you asked. No, that's fair. That's asked, good. Yeah. But... I, I realized after I asked, I meant more like that's not basketball or football. Um, yeah. But all right. So the player you've enjoyed interviewing the most, like our great interviewer, mm. fun interviewer, or something that's all right. Yeah, I, I'm, I got to go Mamadi. He is just <laughs> the most fun kid I've, yeah. I think I've interviewed. I mean, he, you just you don't know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be authentic. That's very and true. I, I, I've loved that about Mamadi. <laughs> Uh, favorite non-UVA place that you've called a game? Uh, let me think about that for a moment because I want to give you the legit answer here. Uh, I thought the Rose Bowl was pretty cool. Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty that, good. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a fun one. And, and then you know what? And, and I guess the tradition – 
I, I really did enjoy calling games at Madison Square Garden. That always yeah. been someplace I wanted to call games too, and and that was neat too. So those, those would be the good. first two that come to my mind. All right, last but not least, what is the hardest Virginia player's name that you've had to really get down before calling? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And you could include. Tomas you know what? I'm going to tell you. This is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. The hardest one for me. <laughs> and, and I don't know if Marco knew this. For some reason, I had a mental block with Marco Anthony. <laughs> I kept wanting to call him Coleman, and I don't know why. I, I think I covered a guy in my previous life down in Texas named Marco Coleman, and I kept <laughs> wanting to call him Coleman, and it was Anthony, and it just aided me. I had to like remind myself. It's like the easiest name in the world. <laughs> but uh, that, that's the hard, for whatever reason, that one gave me fits. But, but yeah, some of those games you prepare for when we playing those teams out West, holy smokes, those <laughs> Polynesian names, yeah. forget about it, man. Those were unbelievable. But you almost look at those as a challenge and you kind of, once you get them, you kind of have them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a total block for me for some reason. I, I don't really <laughs> know awesome. why. I was hoping, um, I'm really glad that you actually said Tomas's name. So I want to go back and listen to it again because um, he's just going to be Because there were so many discussions going on in the chat about like, does anyone know how to say his name yet? Do we know how to pronounce it yet? So that'll be a Well, you know, you know the one, this is a funny story on that topic because when Lennon Parentes was here, his first <laughs> semester, I had talked to him because I, 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 I said, hey, is it, is it Parentes? And he says, yeah, that's, that's right. So I, I, I was calling him Parentes the first semester he was here. And then I get word from his mom that it's Parentes. And I'm like, what? So I, I, I find London. I'm like, you said it was Parentes. He says, no, nah, I didn't care. I didn't care, whatever. And I'm like, what? So now I'm in hot water with your mom. And I've been saying your name wrong this whole time. So I, I learned my lesson. Don't go to the player. Go to the player's mom. Yeah, I always go to the mom. That always makes that's, – that's, I love that. Because I think I go 50-50, parentes, parentes, anyway. Both of them. I switch it out every time. Who knows? But, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This is great. Um, always appreciate you coming on and, and talking. So, um, it was My pleasure. Fun to have you. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. I can add this one to the resume now. The yeah, STL podcast. All there right. There you go. See, part of the part of the crew now. Um, so yeah, Sweet. thanks everyone. Stay with streakingalon.com. Um, rate and review us on iTunes if you're liking what you're hearing and want to hear more of the same thing. And as always, go Beast.